Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 366 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. And tonight we are joined by Mark Ricks from Burrow Baracho Records and Columbia Jones to discuss the split EP Columbia is on this year called Is There Even Christmas This Year? Hey, guys. Hello. Hey. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's fun to have musicians on. We only had one on last year, right? Mm-hmm. Thanks for having us. Well, we're excited to have you. I'm curious, though, Columbia, this seems like an odd year to launch a, a Christmas album. There doesn't seem, there, I just haven't seen a lot of the Christmas feels happening. It feels weird in a time of COVID. I guess that's why the title of your album is, is there even a Christmas this year? So where was your, what made you decide to do it this year? You know, if I'm going to be honest, a lot of it was, was Mark. And uh, the label really wanted us to do one. But I will say, too, that last year that I had, I put together that, that the song that's on the Christmas album, not, not the one I wrote, but the, the cover version, I, I'd put together for like a musical presentation. And I was like, man, I should do a Christmas album next year. But it takes a lot of work to do a Christmas album because you have to like record it in October, which is not ideal usually. So mm-hmm. Mark gave me this. Uh- which, you know, we have a year-round Christmas podcast, so we're talking Christmas every week and throughout the I entire know. year. So we get we get it, we get it. Yeah. It could be it, it could be hard when it's you know not Christmassy outside. Yeah, was that "Go Tell It on the Mountain" that you did last year? Yeah, yeah. People uh, really liked it when I performed it, so I was like, I should really record this. Is that a Christmas song to you guys? "Go Tell It on the Mountain." I've never put it in my Christmas playlist, but. <laughs> I hadn't really, I had never actually thought of it as a Christmas song until this, until I heard about your, your uh, arrangement you made last year. Okay. What, what so I'll heard, tell you. What? Go ahead, Mark. What do you consider it then? Just. Because I've heard you mention it's not a Christmas song before. So gossip. You, gospel. It's just like out there as a song. Yeah, um, I definitely heard it in church, like non-Christmas times of the year. In preparation just for you, Tom, I did some research on this. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> okay, let's let's learn about Go Tell It on the Mountain. So Go Tell It on the Mountain, it is a traditional gospel or traditional field hand song that was sung during slavery and whatever. Um, there was an African-American gentleman who put together a collection of traditional African field songs, and he did an arrangement... Um, that's as it is right now that lays out the nativity aspects of the song and that was published in 1907 he was the one who added the lyric that jesus christ is born that whole section so the the version that he published in 1907 is 
talks about Jesus Christ is born, wise men, those aspects of the song. And it was in the 50s when it was changed to be more of an equal rights um, anthem. Where, yeah. So, so according according to like the research that I was doing, is is a the version where it's less focused on Christ and the nativity is actually the revised newer version. Version. Huh. Hmm. That's interesting. Today I learned. Of course, that's you know from the three sources that I found just to shove it back in your face. I was about to say, could you could you come on every week and constantly prove Tom wrong? It's a favorite pastime. By the way, uh, I think what Mark (laughs) means by research is reading Wikipedia on the toilet. I'm just going to throw that out there. There were also two other websites. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Colby, you've got some original music on here too, right, man? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would like to say real quick, though. So, yeah. so I heard Tell on the Mountain on a Christmas album by a band called Penny and Sparrow. And that's what made me fall in love with it. Huh. So that's how I first heard the song. And then I was like, oh, shoot, this is a kind of a weird Christian song. But I dug the version I heard on that Christmas album. So it's one of my favorite. It is guys. interesting how... So I'm trying to think of all the different Christmas albums that I have this song on or go tell it on the mountain on. And they're primarily Christian artists, which is interesting because like anybody has like silent night and all of those that are also typically Christian themed Christmas songs in their album. But for some reason, this one doesn't transcend as much. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of weird. It never doesn't. stop and think about it. But um, yeah, I've never really associated it as a Christmas song either other than. I, mean, I like what you did with it, though. Thanks. Um, so tell us about your, your original songs that you have, too. Yeah, so as you mentioned earlier, so Mark and I were driving up to Idaho for, like, this random gig in a tiny town in August when the world was almost opening again. And he was telling me about the Christmas album, and I was like, yeah, it'd be fun to do a Christmas album. But I can never, like, it's so hard for me to get the vibe, like, because I have to be in the mood for something to, like, hit me. And I was just like, I don't know, man. And so we were listening to your playlist and we were talking about stuff and and then it just like hit me. And I was like, well, I, I guess I could write a song about like being on the road and I play a lot of gigs. And, you know, like when you're a musician, your birthday, your wife's birthday, your kid's birthdays, holidays, you're out playing gigs. Like you don't have like holidays, but Christmas is one of those ones that I like never, never have a gig. So that's what kind of sprung it so and i like that that's important to me to be home for christmas yeah that's cool it's really interesting because uh when mark talked to me about y'all putting this together and wanting some inspirational music it just took me that mark's i've known mark longer than i've mark's my oldest friend that i have um i'm sorry mark so i've i've been proving tom wrong for decades <laughs> not so He's much a quarter not so of a century um <laughs> but uh you know, for us, our history has always kind of been around Thanksgiving. For whatever reason, for years, we spent Thanksgiving together. So it was kind of cool to do something Christmassy and combine fi- after all of these years to get Mark on board with uh, with my Christmas obsession. So, yeah, well, we're going to post a link to your Christmas album on Spotify. So people go check it out. Hear you and Sean Ramos's um, songs as well. I do just want to ask, since you're here and it is what we do, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Both of you. Mark, you go first. I got to think for another second. 
<laughs> you know, I, I've got to go with the great traditional standby diehard. Ooh, nice. I like it. That Suck takes it, out controvert. <laughs> <laughs> That's becoming a sound clip too now, Anthony. <laughs> I'm just going to randomly play it when he's on with us next time. <laughs> Yeah, I know y'all don't know. Jerry's this guy from Totally Rad Christmas, and for some reason, he is like on every single Christmas podcast out there all the time. I turn on an episode of of an of an, ep- an episode of a random podcast, and there's Jerry, and and he's been he and Anthony have been fighting for a long time about Die Hard. I, I know I'm not as into Christmas as the rest of you, but I do know that Die Hard is very divisive as to if it's Christmas or if it's not Christmas. I wouldn't say it's divisive. I'd say there are people who are right who are wrong. in that Christmas. <laughs> like Ted Cruz. Yeah, I know. I saw that. Ugh. Makes me re- rethink it all. Yes, Mark, you're Ugh. right up there with Ted Cruz now in our book. Ugh, don't say that's mean. Don't say that. That's wrong. They're ruining Julia's memories of this that's film. That's just, no. Don't say that word with Die Hard ever in the same sentence again. Or Christmas. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's the antithesis Or anything of positive. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Columbia? Okay, so I just was thinking. So I do love me some Christmas spirit, but I think the one I want to watch every single year is Mystery Science Theater 3000. Their take, you guys know what that is, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. I, I figured that their take on Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Like, Ooh, my family watched choice. that growing up all the time. So good. So funny. We so, got to get uh, that on the schedule. We should do uh, one episode of, of just Santa versus the Martians. And also another episode on the Mystery Science Theater. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Yeah. MST 3000s <laughs> versus the Martians. Awesome. So well, good. I know I know I'm a fan and I'm adding uh, some of your songs to my Christmas playlist. And at this point... I want to do a throwdown against with uh, with Anthony and Julia. I want us each to create a Christmas playlist, and we can share it, and we can get people to vote on who puts together the best Christmas playlist. I'm down. Subjective. That'd be fun. Isn't it our whole podcast subjective, Julia? I mean, the whole thing is based on <laughs> yeah. us randomly deciding what's a good Christmas movie and what's not. <laughs> there is no. We have no standards here. I don't know. So, Music seems. Some might more. say, Julia, that we are <laughs> underprepared and uh, questionable as a podcast. Uh, so, well, Mark already took one hot answer, hot take answer away. Anthony, do you have any hot take questions we can ask? Start some flame wars? Yeah. Okay. So speaking of Christmas no, music. No. Yes. No. Yes. This is a, these are the perfect guests to ask. Christmas in Hollis. Yay or nay? And why? Is that a movie? I don't actually know what that is. <laughs> It's a subpar. It's a subpar. It's a run DMC Christmas song attempt at a Christmas song. Well, where do you stand on the whole Death Row Christmas? Yes. Is that Christmas? Yes. Yeah. It's better. So then why Christmas in Hollis? Because it's terrible. It was good enough for Reggie and the Full Effect to cover, and you love them. I do. They they also have a song called Dwarf Invasion, so I don't think they have a very high standard. Looks like Tom picks and chooses the facts he chooses to share on this show. Yep. <laughs> I I still go with no. Columbia, you would definitely know it. Doesn't know what we're talking about. Columbia it's, would definitely know if he heard it. It's in the name Christmas. In, in, in Hollis. 
<laughs> Kurt Cameron Saving Christmas. The name Christmas is in it, but it is not a Christmas movie. I don't think you could argue that's a Christmas movie. It's just a crappy Christmas movie. Um, I don't think it's a movie set at Christmas about him being a self-indulgent, pompous person. I mean, is it that Kurt, what our show is about? Because you're it's on a it Kurt, It's a Kirk Cameron movie set at Christmas. All, All right, right, bye, guys. Movies about someone being <laughs> pompous. Have you seen Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas, Mark? Save yourself. No. We're doing a live watch, you and I. We're going to do a live watch. I will sit through it again if it means that you have to suffer through it as well. I will, and I will do it to make you suffer. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Mark, Columbia, thank you so much. We'll be sharing links to your, uh, to the Bro Baracho, Is There Even a Christmas? Is There Even Christmas This Year album? And uh, we'll have to have you all back on for something else fun. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Yep, absolutely. Bye. Thank you, guys. That was fun, y'all. Thanks for having him on, Tom. Yeah, yeah. They're, uh, they're doing some cool stuff. I like the music a lot. How was your week? It has been a long week. I agree with that. Not I mean, bad, I messaged, just long. I messaged you guys earlier saying, I can't wait for tonight because this week mm-hmm. has felt incredibly long already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's felt long, but we got some good news this week, too. So my two older high schoolers get to be virtual the rest of the semester, which makes me very happy to get to have them close and, yeah, kind of a good time of year to have them home. Christmas season. It's a great time of year to have them home. And Hannah is, like, super excited. She's like, oh, I get a chance to get my grades up. (laughs) I'm like, such a Hermione Granger. (laughs) Um, how's, Ethan, how's Ethan handling it? Because I remember he had trouble the first time, uh, like the first lockdown. Work from home, so, right? yeah. So we've been talking a little bit about, I'm like, we really, you know, all these other schools are going virtual and Owasso hasn't said anything. He's like, we really need to go virtual. And I'm like, hmm, interesting coming from you. He's like, I mean, you know, it should happen. He's like, plus I've kind of gotten over the whole fun newness of school. And I just would like to be home and sleep in and have an hour. There it is. And I'm like, yeah. yep, that's it. <laughs> But yeah, I, you must be thrilled though, because I remember you saying you were worried about sending them back to begin with. So I was. So yeah. it's a good choice. I think it'll be good for our podcast too, because it might mean you can be a little flex with extra recordings if you're home and have your Wednesday nights free now. <laughs> band is over. That's the big win. There's no mm. more marching band for the semester. So yes, those Thursdays are about to be a lot easier to grab. Which is good because Star Wars just dropped today. And oh, I, today, today. So I really want to cover that soon for our listeners, not for us to geek out, just for our listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally right. <laughs> have you watched it yet? I haven't yet. Okay, okay. So I have been too busy binging this show on Hulu called Teacher. I posted about yes, it. Yes, you did post about it. It's so good. But it's like one of those shows that dropped three three episodes and now it's week to week until it ends on December 29th. It's weird though, because it's a drama and dramas are used to be an hour, but they're only like half an hour episodes. So it's like annoying. Oh, that is interesting. But it's Kate Mara. She's amazing. I love her. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I posted about this on my Facebook, personal Facebook page and in the Facebook group to see if anyone else was watching it. And I got a few other people to watch it and uh, they're all enjoying it so far. So I highly highly recommend y'all i can't i know because it's mental child abuse right it's child abuse 
No, I'm yeah. just really into the Queen's Gambit, which is also a form. Of oh yeah, that's uh, that's my next watch. I've heard nothing but amazing things about that one. Did y'all see Emma that she was in? That the actress that is in the Queen's Gambit was in? No. Um, it's the most recent adaptation that just came out this year. It's very very good. I would highly suggest it. Have y'all watched Dash and Lily on Netflix? We watched that yeah. recently. That's that Christmas show based on the Christmas book. It right. was, uh, was it good. It was really fun. It was cute. Too vulgar for my liking. That's a joke. There was literally nothing vulgar about that show. There's a lot of vulgar stuff about that show that I'll be happy to take offline and talk to you about. Well, I'm sure we'll be covering it next year. So I hope not. Well, I guess he's throwing it on the list now just to spite you. <laughs> <laughs> not if I go flock the list. <laughs> Oh, and I watched season four of The Crown. Oh, man. Give Gillian Anderson every freaking award for Margaret really? Thatcher. Oh, I'm so excited. It's like, you know how there are some performances that you, like, get sucked in? Like, yeah. you know, like, you remember when The Dark Knight came out? You were just glued to the screen every time Heath Ledger came on the screen? Like, it's mm-hmm. just like that. Like, yeah. you know she's an awful that person. Good? You know it's Gillian Anderson, but, like, she has such this presence on screen. Mm-hmm. Like, it was Wait, really said- good. Julian Anderson's an awful person? Margaret Thatcher. Oh, oh, oh. She plays okay. Margaret Thatcher. But she played her I so I would say she's awful. Low. She's a complicated figure. She is complicated, yes. I, I I'm just going fair. by the... I'm, I was just going by how a lot of Brits I know feel. But yes, I would agree yeah, but she's I complicated. I, lo- I, I love I don't either, personally. But I loved the Meryl Streep movie about her, too. So... Did you guys see yeah. that when it came out? When Meryl Streep won yes. the Oscar? That was a great I movie. did. Iron Lady, did. right? The Iron Lady, yeah. They did a good job of that's, presenting that's her as true. more complicated than just awful. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, that's what I've been watching. And Hallmark Films. I've been watching nonstop Hallmark at night. Yeah. Man, I have caught some really good ones lately. And Me some too. Like, I, incredibly been, ridiculous ones. I've also. been making a list because really at the ones. end of the season, I'm going to be like, hey, I don't really like Hallmark movies, but here's the list I like for anyone who's on the fence about Hallmark and wants some good yeah. stuff to watch. Is Christmas Joy on that list? Which one's that one? She's the one. It's the one where her name is Joy and she works in the big city, but her aunt had to have surgery. So she comes home to the small town um, to take care of her aunt while she's in surgery. But at the same time, her aunt had to have surgery. It's the great cookie crawl and the gingerbread house competition. And she has to like balance those plates. And then there's cute guys helping her balance the plates. And it was delightful. That one is not on my list. I actually don't like that one. I'm sorry. Uh, is like 12, I like is the girl. 12 gifts of Christmas on your list? I was watching that one l- last night. It's where this aspiring like artist is working in New York City, or she's trying to get a gallery in New York City, but she can't. So she starts a business on the side to do Christmas shopping for people. As she meets this really wealthy, executive, busy workaholic at like a bakery, who and they obviously have the meet cute where they bump into each other. And he's like, "I have so many people to buy gifts for. Here's my list." And she doesn't adhere to the list, and he gets mad. But then she's like, "I'm gonna go off the list." And people like her gifts better, and they end up falling in love. I have not seen that one, but I don't like that Hallmark actress. Look at us with our different (laughs) sensibilities. (laughs) Okay, I never thought we would be debating Hallmark like this on the show. I saw a really good Lifetime Christmas movie that I cannot, for the life of me, remember the name of. But it was so, it was so good. I got to look that up. I'm gonna, 
I'm going to take that as my takeaway from this meeting to find the name of it. If that gives you any idea of what my week has been like. There's one more Hallmark film. It debuted this year. It's brand new. It's called One Royal Christmas. Did you see that one? I think we recorded that one. Didn't it just premiere like last Saturday or two Saturdays ago? Yeah. It's where the prince and the queen get stranded because of a snowstorm. and the Yeah, they've been playing that one like nonstop. Not a fan. That one is... You're not a fan? What the heck, Julia? I think it's because they've played it like eight times. And I'm like, I don't want to see the same stinking one eight times. Give me eight different movies that are different and exactly the same. I do do agree with that. I've caught some of our classics quote unquote i've caught the crown for christmas i've caught yeah yeah i've caught uh (laughs) all of our favorites the nine lives of christmas i've (laughs) i've caught a royal christmas the one with Lacey chabert where she falls in love with the prince they have a lot of christmas royalty movies for some reason a lot i still have not caught my favorite though with love christmas that's your are you being sarcastic well it's one of my favorites it's one of my favorites with love christmas oh i love that girl yeah that guy reminds me of gronkowski and i have a real hard time with that one that (laughs) actor bothers me but i love her so i might give that one a chance Give it a chance. It's very cute. It's like a, I'm pretty sure I've seen that one. Does it end up with a sleigh? Them in the sleigh yes, in the snow outside. Yeah, I've seen that one. I've seen oh that one. So one of my coworkers is obsessed with this Hallmark, these Hallmark movies. She keeps a list and she like crosses out which one she sees every year, which is really cute. But um, she made a comment about how she has fallen asleep in front of one and woke up in the middle of another and didn't realize it was a different movie. And I'm like, my my friend Julia said that. I heard Marty, I heard her husband have done that before. We Okay. So the state of our DVR right now is our most recent recording. So we've got like five or six Hallmark movies in there. And I'll, I'll wake up the next morning and because Marty goes to sleep later than I do, I'll wake up the next morning and there will be a new batch of Hallmark movies in there. And I'm like, what did I record this? And he's like, no, I wanted to see how it ended, but I was ready to go to sleep. <laughs> so I just have got like eight movies where I just have to watch the endings. And I'm like, well, oh, that's so true. So I have Sling. That's my cable cable provider. Yep. So you know what it is, right? Y'all know what it is. Yes. You don't have to specifically DVR something. If you start watching something and then change the channel or turn the TV off, you have an option to go back and pick up from where you left off. Like, Ooh. so which is really helpful. So I have a bunch of Hallmark movies that start too late, which are just halfway through, which I'm just going to go back and like finish them all because I was invested, <laughs> but couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. And I'm really okay. sad that this year has made me invested in Hallmark movies. It's like the it's- worst outcome of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a little fluff never hurt anybody. Quarter of a million dead Americans. Anthony watches Hallmark movies. I think there may be something worse here, Anthony. That was being hyperbolic. Time. Okay, I just want to stress to make sure that everybody understood that, that you weren't comparing your plight to that of, you know, people dealing with COVID. I found the Lifetime movie. So it's a 2017 Lifetime Christmas movie. It's called Snowed in in with two ends so like a place you stay snowed in i Christmas. dig it yep did you watch it i've seen it it's oh good. my gosh it's so we should good cover it. we should i do was that like 100 percent invested i it gave me all the feelings the acting is really good the story's fun 
Like I've seen this one. It's I so this good. One. It's so why haven't we done a why haven't we done a, a lifetime month yet? We have the hot a whole month of lifetime. The whole month? Not a no, whole no, no, month. No, no, no. no, see Anthony, I, I have more words to say. I said, why haven't we done a whole lifetime month? <laughs> Yeah, like we've done the Hallmark month. We didn't because Julie put a Lifetime movie on there, so it never turned out to be a Hallmark month. <laughs> That's true. Right. Um, they're all kind of the same. I've been watching some, getting caught up on some of the Netflix ones. Ooh, like what? Uh, there was one last year, Let It Snow, which is kind of about teenagers. There was the Christmas, the Cinderella story, Christmas Wish. Was that one decent? I see that one nope. come up a lot. Nope. It's Vanessa Hudgens, right? Nope. Oh. I don't, I don't think so, is it? I don't think so. I don't think she's in nope. that one. Vanessa Hudgens no. has one where she switches places with somebody. That's like the Kendrick. princess switch. Yep, there you go. Yeah. Was that good? That one? Uh, it's exactly what you'd expect it to be. <laughs> so is, it like, is it better? So it's a Hallmark than, movie. <laughs> yeah, is it better than the one with Candace Karen Bure where they switch places? That we yeah, covers? probably just based on the fact that it's not Candace Karen. <laughs> Why does Disco still listen to our show? We hate all I, I the things know. he loves. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Wonderful Life is not a Christmas movie and Candace Cameron Bure sucks. Sorry, <laughs> I have another one in my queue to watch called Santa Girl, which is fleeing the family business and an arranged marriage. Santa's daughter chooses a magical adventure of her own. College. Oh, that yeah. sound awesome. That sounds Hallmark-esque. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something that, about stuff like that. I do not approve of Santa trying to force his children, if he has children, into an arranged marriage. Santa wouldn't do that. Not my I mean, Santa. Yeah, no, Santa. It's a cultural thing, y'all. I mean, he might, depending on his culture. There's, you know, arranged marriage. There's a lot to be said for arranged marriages. I don't think they're necessarily. What's his culture? Bad. Isn't he like freaking Nordic? I don't think they do. I don't know what marriage. culture. I don't know elf culture. <laughs> you don't know that elves aren't uh, arranged marriages. I'm trying to think back of every North Pole movie we've covered. There has to be something about elves getting married. But I don't think well, we've Buddy, ever encountered a married elf in any of the things we've covered. Buddy was Buddy got married, but he Buddy, was a person yeah. living in elf culture. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, we have not covered a married elf. That's insane. How are elves Dude, not married more? Maybe, just maybe, I might have the inspiration for a Christmas short story. For our Christmas it's Eve, time. the one yes. you said, the one you told us, hold off, I'm picking a story because I'm writing one. And then like, I tried. you were like, I don't know if this is going to happen. Uh, because none of you have, because you've never experienced writer, writer's block and not had the inspiration for a story, right, Anthony? It's never hit you, uh-huh. been something you've dealt with? I deal with that every day of my life. I just, I just didn't know you were going for a real, like, hardcore good style. I just assumed you were going to do, oh, he's going to do, like, just a podcast the night before Christmas or something. No, I want to do a real story. Do it. I am game. I'm, I'm, I'm if you, if you need now. If you need help writing it, you have two other writers on this show, too. You know, well, I ha- the, the, the writing is jo- the Jordan is like, don't volunteer me. <laughs> Jordan is like, don't volunteer my time. I have four children, and I'm... <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> it's getting that idea off the ground, right? I mean, yeah, that's the hard part. Especially facing that like first blank page of a Chris, especially for something decent and Christmassy. See, I would disagree. The hard part for me is not the beginning, or it's the middle, the middle slog after you've been working on it for a while. Oh, I have no problem like, cranking out middle and ending. I have no problem with the ending or the beginning. It's the middle. It's like the when you hit the dead middle, and it's like, oh, now it's just like move it along. 
kind of like what we're covering tonight, right? I, I knew you were going to use that as a transition. So speaking of Netflix films, original Christmas movies, tonight we are covering the brand new 2020 Netflix original musical holiday film, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. Christmas Journey is a weird name for a movie about a girl named Journey. So, quick synopsis. Decades after his apprentice betrays him, a once joyful toy maker finds new hope when his bright young granddaughter appears on his doorstep. So let's run through the credits real quick. So this movie was directed by David Talbert, who has won multiple NAACP awards for his work, The Fabric of Man, his musical Love in the Nick of Time, he produced a television reality show, Black Stage. Uh, Talbert's first film, First Sunday, was released in 2008. And he has also directed Baggage Claim, Almost Christmas, El Camino Christmas, and now Jingle Jingle, A Christmas Journey. So I feel like we're going to see him in the future a few times. Oh, yeah. So do you have a history with this director, either of y'all? I don't. No. Me either, but I heard Almost Christmas is pretty good. So mm-hmm. let's yeah, add that to our, that let's add that to next year because I've never yep. seen it. Um, so David Talbert also wrote this movie, so that was easy. Um, the music was done by John Debney, and you'll recognize that name because he has done a lot of work for Walt Disney. He's <clears throat> he has done mm-hmm. well, The Greatest Showman. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting to it, but. Walt Disney. I mean, I just want to say, if we're going to say music, I think like that's something so, that's music everybody will know, right? So he's also been covered on the show before. So I'm just going to run through some of his more famous works because you'll recognize a lot of it. Started in 1990. He's done stuff before that, but nothing really big. But 1990, Jetsons, the movie, Hocus Pocus, Little Giants, Carpool, Liar, Liar, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Polly, I'll Be Home for Christmas, Inspector Gadget, The Adventures of Elmo and Grouchland, uh, The Emperor's New Groove, Spy Kids, Cats and Dogs, The Princess Diaries, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, Snow Dogs, The Scorpion King, Spy Kids 2, The Hot Chick, Malibu's Most Wanted, Bruce Almighty, Elf, Looney Tunes Back in Action, Welcome to Mooseport, The Passion of the Christ, Spider-Man 2, The Princess Diaries 2, Christmas with the Cranks, Sin City, Deuce Bigelow, European Chigolo, Venom, Chicken Little, Cheaper by the Dozen 2. This guy's all over the place, y'all. Spider-Man 3, Evan Almighty, Meet Dave, The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon and Emperor, uh, Hotel for Dogs, Hannah Montana the Movie, Aliens in the Attic, Old Dogs, Valentine's Day. He's done a lot of stuff. Iron Man 2, Yogi Bear, (laughs) New Year's Eve, The Three Stooges, SpongeBob SquarePants movie, Sponge Out of Water, The Jungle Book, the remake, Mother's Day, Ice Age Collision Course, Home Again, The Greatest Showman, like Tom said, uh, Dora and the Lost City of Gold, and he's scoring the upcoming Clifford the Big Red Dog movie. Uh, he's insane. Done, he averages like at least three things a year. He's, he's done episodes of The Twilight Zone, a pup named Scooby-Doo, which I used to love. Uh, Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Tiny Toons Adventures, which is coming back on HBO Max, and I'm so excited. I used to love Tiny Toons. Into the Badlands. I Yabba Dabba Doo, the Flintstones movie where Pebbles and Bam Bam get married, which is a classic. Uh, Star Trek. So he's done Lowe's. Young Sheldon, The Orville, Santa Clarita Diet. So this guy... I mean, his quality of film ranges all over the place. So there's no denying <laughs> this guy has done some iconic stuff. Elf, Hocus Pocus, like, he's done yep. great stuff, greatest showman. So. Yes. Which we'll get to when we discuss this movie, but there are definitely greatest showman vibes in this movie. Big, Big time. time. Yep. <laughs> so, starring as our hero, our protagonist, Jeronicus Jangle in modern day is Forrest Whitaker, who is an acting legend. I love this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he has earned a reputation for intensive character study works for films such as Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Bird, The Crying Game, Platoon, Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai, The Great Debaters, Butler and Arrival. He has appeared in Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. He was in Black Panther, which he was in the a... remake of Roots. Did we skip that one? We did. Yeah, that's Probably one I think the remake mentioned. wasn't great. But he was. He was. I mean, this guy can't you could put him in a crappy movie and he's great in yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there he was in Black Panther, of which there was a reference to in this movie. There's like a Wakanda sticker on his trunk. Mm-hmm. Rest in power, King. Um, what's your favorite Forrest Whitaker movie? Oh my gosh, he was on Battlefield Earth 2. Yep. Wait. Back in the day. The Volta one? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's two weeks in a row. Sorry, that's not my favorite. <laughs> I was about to say, Julia, controversial opinion. <laughs> I'm looking down through his stuff because. So the first time I ever saw him was in Good Morning Vietnam. And I always liked his character. I love that one. That movie. Um, but my favorite might be a controversial choice because it's a real dark horse, but I really love him in the movie Panic Room. Remember that movie? I think Panic Room is so underrated. It's I like a great that movie. movie a lot. Yeah. He had, I don't know. I like the complicated bad guy, right? And he was very complicated. So my favorite was Lee Daniels, the butler, when he played a real life person, Cecil Gaines, who served for multiple presidents in the White House as the White House butler. He was uh, awesome in that movie. I never saw that movie, but didn't it win for it won tons of things? like awards. Yeah. yeah. It's it's very good. If you like the King's speech and all that stuff, you would like uh, I do. Yeah. The Last King of Scotland. Ooh, I never saw that one. either. And he won for that. Uh, he won everything he de- he deserved, everything he won for that one. Uh, you should also see Lee Daniels Butler because Alan Rickman played Ronald Reagan and Jane Fonda played Nancy Reagan. That seems like a highly offensive casting. Yeah. What? Yeah, that really is. Why? Jane, Jane Fonda, Fonda is Nancy Reagan? Yeah, why? Jane Fonda like Jesus is hated Christ by conservatives. Satan. Yeah, that's that's not a cool that's not a cool that's like That's a very curious cast. If she did a good anyway. job, then she would have deserved awards for it, as it is the exact opposite of her. Yeah, I kind of can't believe she played Nancy Reagan. Like that she would be okay with that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Well, why would Al Rickman be okay with playing Ronald Reagan? He's a Brit. He's fairly removed from it. She's not. <laughs> That's true. 
Especially uh, nowadays. Jane Fonda is like the most political like actor yeah. out there nowadays. Yeah, good point. And so, she was not, she was, and Alan Rickman did not spend any of his time um, protesting the predecessors of her husband. You know, she playing young Geronicus in an extended prologue, you would call it, is Justin Cornwell, who is best known for playing Kyle Craig in the CBS crime drama Training Day, based on the 2001 film of the same name. And he's also appeared in Chicago PT and Empire, um, which are his two probably biggest things before this. Playing Journey Jangle, our young female protagonist, is Madeline Mills. She does not have a clickable Wikipedia page, so I don't think she's been in a lot. She has been in uh, just a couple of things. She um, was herself. She was on an episode of Entertainment Tonight, The Real, and Reality Cupcakes. Well, playing grandmother journey in the present day, telling this story is somebody I recognized right away, Felicia Rashad, aka Claire Huxtable from the Cosby Show. Was anyone else surprised to see her? I was surprised. I was Angel. shocked. I saw the trailer, so I didn't even register that was her in the trailer. Oh yeah, uh, I, I don't know, you know the this, Cosby Show. She's, she's a native Houstonian. Just throwing that out there, Julia. I did not know that. That is so. Felicia cool. Rashad's from Houston. Um, she has, she's done a lot of stage work. She won a Tony Award for Raisin in the Sun. I love that play, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, she starred in Into the Woods, Jally's Last Jam, Gem of the Ocean, Cat in a Hot Tim Roof. She actually appeared in the television adaptation of A Raisin in the Sun in 2008. She has also appeared in the films for Colored Girls, Good Deeds, Creed, and Creed 2. She was in that stupid show, 13 Reasons Why. So that's your favorite? No. What's your favorite, Tom? Cosby Show. Everybody's favorite is going to be the Cosby Show. That's my favorite, too. I love that show. She was my first TV mom. I mean, she really was. Yep. Right? When I think of a TV mom, I think of her. Playing Gustafson. Gustafson. Django. Gustafson. Gustafson. Playing Gustafson. Jeronicus's uh, assistant who betrays him. That's still not how it's pronounced. I was just trolling you. It's Gustafson. Is it Gustafson? Yeah, Gustafson. Playing Gustafson, Jeronicus's assistant who betrays him and is our antagonist in the film. Mr. Keegan Michael Key of Key and Peel fame. He was on Mad TV, Whose Line Is It Anyway, Fargo, Pitch Perfect 2, Don't Think Twice, The Lego Movie, Hotel Transylvania, Storks, The Angry Birds Movie. We've covered him before in The Star. He was in Hotel Transylvania 3, The Lion King remake as one of the hyenas. He was in Toy Story 4. He is famously known for playing... (laughs) President Obama's anger translator at the White House dinner, which is amazing. You've guys seen that, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was in the film Keanu with uh, Jordan Peele, which is just one of those movies that is so freaking out there plot-wise, but because it's them who wrote it, it's actually really funny. Um, highly recommend watching that one, too. So, Are you guys fans of Keegan-Michael Key? Yes. His run on Parks and Rec is my favorite. Oh, he was great on Parks and Rec. Specifically the episode where he first meets Ron. (laughs) It's one of my favorite, favorite episodes. 
I really liked him in Tomorrowland. I was so disappointed in that movie. That was a joke because the movie was so absolutely terrible. Oh, thank God. Thank God you said that. I really like I really like him. I liked Key and Peel, but I think I like his voice work as much, if not more, than I like him. I lo- I loved his voice work as Ducky in Toy Story 4 when him and Peel <laughs> had that long bit about going home and attacking that grandmother who <laughs> owned the antique store. <laughs> that just made me laugh so much. They let that play for so long, going home, having <laughs> wine in the bath. <laughs> So he is actually going to be in Netflix's The Prom, which is an amazing Broadway show that has an excellent cast. Uh, Meryl Streep's going to be in it. A bunch of people are going to be in it. Uh, So I'm excited for that. And he he was in Netflix's Friends from College, which is an underrated comedy. It was canceled after two seasons. I really liked him in that. But I think my favorite (laughs) is the anger translator, just because it was so unexpected. It was funny. It was so freaking funny. The young Gustafson is Miles Barrow. I don't know if he has a lot to his name. He does not have a clickable link on Wikipedia. Uh, he's just done, he doesn't really done a whole lot. He's done a couple of shorts and then he had a recurring role back in 2009 on the show Scoop playing Newspaper Boy. Well, there you go. Newspaper Boy. Hugh Bonneville. Hugh Bonneville as Mr. Delacroix, who is best okay. known for Downton Abbey. Lord Grantham. Lord Grantham, which is my favorite, but yeah, underra- underrated. He was in the Paddington movies, which those movies <gasps> oh, are right. way better than they have any reason to be. They really, truly are. They are uh, you know, so good. You know what's cool about that? He was born in Paddington, London. Oh, it's a fun he little plays Mr. Br- He plays Mr. Brown. Last time I was in London, I had to go to Paddington Square just because of that movie. I love Paddington Square. So beautiful. I do too. But so is that movie. I mean, the bear, the, 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 I mean, the animation for that is just out of this worldly amazing. Yeah. It's so, and those, those marmalade sandwiches. So good. They look, look so delicious. delicious. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Oh, <gasps> he's going to be rolled Dowell in a movie coming up called An Unquiet Life, where he plays. Roald One of Dahl. my favorite writers of all time. He's also he the narrator in a Christmas movie coming out in a couple weeks called Silent Night, a song for the world. He's also he the voice of Santa Claus in the DuckTales TV series. How Santa Woo-hoo. Stole Christmas. I love that show. Yeah, he's in a lot Oh, in this Silent Night, a song for the world. It looks like it's going to be a concert that he is narrating with Josh Groban, Kelly Clarkson, Gavin Rossdale, Josh Stone. David Foster, Randy Jackson, Hannah Friedman, Live Watch. So, is your favorite Downton Abbey too as well, Tom? Uh, my favorite is going to be his role on Sophia the First. Please, no, it's not. No, it's definitely Downton Abbey. Although Paddington is pretty amazing, the the Paddington is pretty amazing. Well, just the 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 breadth of his character there, and all of the mm-hmm. the thing, all of the emotions he goes through, it's good. Mm-hmm. Playing Jessica Jangle, uh, Jeronicus's daughter, is Anika Noni Rose. She is best known for voicing Tiana, Tiana. Disney's oh first goodness. black princess in The Princess and the Frog, which I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, she reprieved the role in Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yes, she did. Oh, God, the best scene in that movie. Best scene of that whole franchise <laughs> is those princesses. 
she played it. She was in Dreamgirls. Uh, she was in a bunch of Broadway shows, including Raisin in the Sun as well. She was in Surviving Christmas, which we have covered before. Uh, she was in the choir, a choir Just scene. recently. Um, she was in the 2003 masterpiece from Justin to Kelly. No, no one. Remember when they thought they could turn American Idol winners oh. and runner-ups into the movies? Remember that? I remember, but no. I didn't watch uh, it. She was in the movie for Colored Girls as well, which we just mentioned. She was in Imperial Dreams, Assassination Nation. She's she is going to be the narrator in the upcoming film Stella Luna. I loved that book. Do you remember that book? I had no idea it was turning into a film. Do you guys How remember that book? Turn that to a film. Probably animated. Yeah, but it'd be like a short. <laughs> I mean, they have well, to really build. Remember, on that there story. are three three books. They might be doing it all as one film, just called Stella Luna. No, there were three books. Interesting. <sighs> I loved that film, that mo- that book. Oh wait, no, I'm thinking of a I different bat book. story. This was this only book. one. Batman? Were you thinking of Batman? <laughs> no, I was thinking of one. I forget what it was called. I was like. <laughs> this one is only one. I did Another read this one too, and I story. loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Julia, a two, Julia, a two. Julia wins the night. I, I give up. Uh she's had a lot of television roles too. She's been on The Good Wife, Law and Order, SVU, Elementary, The Simpsons, Sophia the First, Bates Motel, Little Fires Everywhere. So, do you have a favorite of her? Not invested enough to. Tiana's my favorite. Tiana. Oh, I guess so. Tiana. Yeah, Tiana so I good. didn't. I didn't recognize her speaking voice. Like it didn't connect, right? Which she did really isn't in the movie a lot. Adult adult daughter is really no. not in there much. But when she was singing that last, the big song that she sings, I was like, man, that sounds familiar. And Hannah was sitting next to me and I was like, oh, that's Tiana. And she's like, oh my gosh, it is. And then we were like in it. We were like, yes, that's Tiana. It's awesome. Diana Babnikova plays young Jessica. And then playing what I think is the most useless role in this film, Ricky Martin does the voice and motion capture for Don Juan Diego. And uh, it's Ricky Martin. He's more known for his music than his acting for obvious reasons. Although he's been in General Hospital. He he does. He does voice work too. The assassination of Gianni Versace. Uh, He was on The Love Boat. He was in Glee. Was he the Spanish teacher in Glee? David Martinez, the Spanish teacher, yes. Okay. I thought (laughs) I remembered that. He did the role of the voice of Hercules in the Latin dub, the Latin American dub of the movie. He was in American Dead as himself. He was in Minions, the Latin American dub, as Herb Overkill. He played Marius in Les Mis on Broadway. I didn't know that. Not fan of Ricky Martin. What about you guys? I mean, I'm not either, I'm but his voice live in La Vida Loca. is nice. <laughs> live in La Vida Loca. <laughs> Playing Miss Johnston, the very jovial, lovesick male woman in this film, is Lisa Davina Phillip, who is more known for her stage work. She's a British actress and singer. Uh, she was an under study for Rafiki and the Lion King on the West End. She's been in a bunch of West End plays. She doesn't really have a lot of TV or film work to her name, but I really liked her. I thought she had such presence. Loved her. I loved her so much. And then our last character playing Edison, 
probably the worst actor in this, is Kieran L. Dwyer, who doesn't have a lot to his name either. So, so precious, though. He was precious. He kind of reminded me of Steve Urkel a bit. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we all have the same history with this movie. Saw the trailer. Just came out. Just watched it. So instead of histories, what are your overall thoughts of this film? And I'm going to start with Tom. I loved it. You were trolling! Thank God! I was wondering I why you were you not. I was wondering why you were not arguing with me on, on on Discord when I called you out. I was like, this is so unlike him. Usually he'll go back at me. Why is he not coming back? Oh, I haven't been on Discord. I've been slammed at work. No, it was a freaking awesome movie. I mean, everything about it. It it blew my expectations, which were already high, out of the water and became an instant Christmas classic in that crow in the house crow. I mean, I could echo that, although some people have mentioned it doesn't feel very Christmassy, and this is definitely not the most Christmassy feeling movie in in my canon, right? By a long shot. But this movie is like one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen and heard in just a very, very, very long time. And You get the soundtrack right after, like I did, because I was like, how could yeah. I? Yeah. <laughs> of course I did. Um, so I watched it with, um, we did like a proper sit down and watch a movie night, which we really haven't done in a long time. Um, and it was me and Hannah and Marty and Gabe and Jude. And everybody was engaged, even though Marty hates musicals. Um, but Hannah and I really were like, this is special. This is really, really special. So I loved it. It's magical. It really I'm was gonna, special. I'm going to echo what both of y'all said. Instant. I loved it. It was, blew my expectations out of the water. Instant Christmas canon classic in my mind. Though I will say, I, I won't agree with the people who say this is not a Christmas movie, because I think it is. It, But it's definitely not the most Christmassy feeling Christmas movie, like you said, Julia. I think that's a fair. But I think, I think it's definitely a Christmas movie, and I'll get into why as we discuss it. But that's the hard part. That's the conversation Christine and I had that was so hard is, is this a true Christmas movie or is it a movie set at Christmas? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be curious to see where you both fall on that when we get to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie is just, the singing was incredible. The cast was amazing. The sets were beautiful. The effects were beautiful. Like I, It's one of those movies I wish we could have seen on the big screen. And I know it was never intended for the big screen, but this would have been like an experience movie to see with the crowd that's the big question i have going moving forward with all of like i was reading an article where they basically said we haven't had big movie releases and nobody seems to mind like they're just adapting to this new way of consuming film our movie theater is going to make a comeback i'm gonna mind i, I don't think I, the movie, I don't think movie theaters are going to make a big comeback i think they'll still exist but they won't be nearly as big i think they'll release digitally like almost immediately after but I definitely mind. I like the experience of going to the movies. The other thing I really like about this movie is the representation. Because there are not a lot of Christmas films in general with an all-African-American cast. We need more representation like this in films this year. And I and you know what? Considering this year, all the I Christmas think it should stuff- go on after this year, though. I mean, there's only another month. I'd like to see that as a trend that continues, Anthony. No, but th- this year we are getting a lot more representation in Christmas films. We have this film. Hulu has the Christmas film coming out with all the A-list stars. That's the LGBTQ plus love story. Hallmark is doing the first gay. Uh, don't story. give that. Don't give that one credit. They they 
look who they cast. I mean, come on. If that were any other movie she were in, you'd be complaining about her being in a Christmas movie. She's gotten better. I think but she has giving, hidden chops. You're giving she was cast, she's cast as Princess Diana in a biopic coming out. So I think she has something. And yeah, I'm just glad to see more representation like this as well. I, last We covered it earlier this year too. Last Christmas, one of the stars, the main love interest is Asian. And mm-hmm. like, we're... You know, I'm just glad we're getting more representation in Christmas films. I think we need it across all films, not just Christmas films. But uh, mm-hmm. it's definitely been a bright spot of this year that I hope continues going forward. Yeah. So let's walk through this plot. So the movie opens up with this wide shot of like a London street. And Sarah and I were watching it. And we thought it looks exactly like Diagon Alley. Like, Jeronicus's shop looked so. exactly like Wiz- Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, didn't it? Yes. It did. I even said that. I was like, hmm, looks like a Weasley shop to me. And he Getting was like, some Harry Potter does. vibes. And you go in, and the shop is absolutely magical. It's a, like, toy yeah. invention shop. It's packed. People love Jeronicus. You can tell he's, like, this beloved man in the city who's mm-hmm. also kind-hearted. Like, you can tell he's yes. not about the money or the fame. Like, he's just doing this because he loves it and loves putting a smile on people's faces. Mm-hmm. And he's been waiting for this special delivery, which will help him with his uh, his new toy, which will basically give a toy, like, I guess, sentient life almost, essentially. Mm-hmm. And this first, I love this first song. I think this first song is my favorite in the movie. This day, like it is mm-hmm. so catchy. It is so good. This is where this is where I immediately got the Greatest Showman vibes, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Felt like a big dance number from the Greatest Showman. Mm-hmm. The symmetry and the skirts and the kicking and like the style. Who did we even talk about? Who the choreographer was for this? We did not, but we should. The choreographer was. Not on Wikipedia. Do you have on um, IMDb? I didn't see it on IMDb. I didn't. How does the choreographer not have some kind of credit? Because the dancing is so fresh and well, it is so beautiful. I'll just take credit for it. It was me. But this this whole scene was yeah. This song between the actual singing, the lyrics, and the dancing was my favorite song in the movie. And I actually really like the cover that plant went over the end credits too. That Usher and Kiana Lede song. We're talking- Ashley Wallen choreographed this movie, who is also the choreographer for The Greatest Showman. Oh, there you go. That's The Greatest Showman vibes. Yeah. Um, one other thing I want to make mention of before we get too far into this is the costumes. Beautiful. Oh, man. The colors, the style, everything mm-hmm. um, just blew me away. Yeah, so I want to talk about that just real quick. So the colors in this movie are not what I would consider a traditional color for Christmas. Like it's not a Christmas color scheme, which might have been some of the initially when I watched it didn't feel super Christmassy to me. But then by the end of the movie, I'm thinking maybe I need to broaden my Christmas color scheme because the richness of this movie is like insanely good. And so Mm -hmm. much of it is the clothing that they're wearing and the vibrancy of it. And which when you think about Black Panther, right, like that whole culture is so vivid in a way that like me speaking as a white girl, right? Basic white girl. It's not that vivid when our culture doesn't, doesn't give off that vivid vibe. I'm a basic white girl too, Julia. I love pumpkin spice. So it's okay. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But like watching this was like stepping into that culture and it was like the warmest thing 
And I think that was my favorite thing about this entire movie is it felt so comfortable. It was like putting on, I don't know, like a fur coat, not a fur coat. Peta is going to, I'm not even, it was like putting on this warm electric blanket, blanket wrapping a like blanket sitting around in it. And yes, it was like glorious. I 100% agree with all that. And to your point about our culture not having like things like that, right? Like, so, so Sarah is not a very like religious person. Like mm-hmm. I am, I go to church and everything, but I'm, I'm Catholic. Our church is not what you would consider fun. <laughs> We're very uh, old school, old school, like send the flood rather than like some of these places, which are, uh, <laughs> you know, more hopeful, the more hopeful and forgiving God. But my, the God they talk about in our church a lot of the times is uh, send the flood and wipe them all out, God. And I can admit that. So Sarah does not enjoy going the two times of year I force her to on Easter and Christmas, Mm -hmm. but there is a predominantly African-American church down the street from us. And every time we pass it on a walk or something and either church is in session or they're just getting out of church, she loves that. They genuinely seem to want to be there. It's not a chore. Mm -hmm. They come out dressed to the nines. You walk by every single person you pass. Hi, how are you? Good morning. God bless. Happy Sunday. And like when you're passing it and it's in session, just a joyful singing and everything. She's like, that's what life should be more about rather than mm-hmm. how we celebrate life. She, she loves it. Like she said, that's the type of community mm-hmm. she wants to be a part of. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to point that out because you were talking about the differences in culture there for a second. Mm-hmm. So Geronicus gets this delivery and it's essentially this like green type of liquid that gives life to his matador doll Don Juan Diego and gives makes us sentient. This um doll, I think, could have been removed completely from the movie, this character, and nothing would have changed. You could have still had mm-hmm. his assistant betray him, take whatever his invention was, take the liquid, whatever, and start his own company. Like I just found this character annoying. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. He was a catalyst that should didn't deserve an entire role. That didn't need that didn't need to be the prominent role he was. I mean No. The only thing we really got out of it was the fun at the end when he when he's going to get his worst nightmare, which is he gets turned off to be reprogrammed and turned into one in a million as opposed to one in a million. <laughs> Right. So Who they else bring this... about Buzz Lightyear? I did. Like the, I specifically <laughs> thought I about Toy Story 3 Buzz Lightyear when he comes back as yeah. Spanish program Buzz Lightyear. I did too. It was a oh, mix of funny, that though. and two when you see all the Buzz Lightyears on the wall in the boxes. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> so when Geronicus and his family leave to celebrate, um, I can't pronounce his assistant's name. How do you pronounce that name? Gustafson. Gustafson. He essentially, one of his toys he invented breaks and he becomes disheartened by this fact and well he feels he feels ignored because he's been trying to get geronicus's attention to help him fix it for a while mm-hmm. and diego don juan diego who fears like y'all just said that he's going to become one in a million right mm-hmm. they're going to mass produce him and he won't be unique anymore preys on this uh frustration and convinces gustafson to get back at Geronicus by taking him and his book of inventions to start his own toy making company, mm-hmm. which Gustafson does. And that's really what starts our plot. And it's very sad. And then we jump ahead like 
what 15 years or something essentially he didn't only yeah he didn't only gustafson didn't only steal his inventions and his books he stole his confidence his ability to see the magic and um invent and all of these cool concepts it's a it's a good blend of magic and reality like they talk about you know these these equations that aren't really mathematical equations but like they are like the square root of possible yeah oh i We'll get to that song. I love that song. But I love the just visual like, representation of their mind, like their process, him, their mind, their whole process, their thought process playing out. Where you see them doing too. all these equations with the blue and gold lights as it's flying around them. I thought those, I loved every one of those scenes. Well, it's like fantasy math. It was, I've, it's a concept I've never seen done before, but I really liked that they somehow mixed magic and logic and math together into this thing that was and that was so cool and so cool and the concept of belief which is very important to this movie and which i will talk about again when we're talking about whether or not we think this is actually a christmas film because belief is so important to this movie so Mm -hmm. we'll get to that so we flash forward like must be what 10 15 years and Geronicus's shop has fell into disrepair, essentially. He's behind on his bills. He doesn't think- invent or sell toys anymore. He's essentially, what, a pawn, pawn shop now? Pawnbroker. Pawnbroker. Mm-hmm. And uh, his wife had passed away. And Did you because think of she that- had gotten 15 years older? His daughter wouldn't have been 15 years older because she would have been on her own and not sent to live with other people, right? His daughter was on his own. Her daughter was grown up. That was his granddaughter, the little girl. Oh, well, we didn't talk about his daughter being sent away and everything yet, though. Well, I was getting to that. So okay. in these in these 15 years, his wife has passed away. And that ruins his relationship with his daughter, whom he grows distant with, his daughter Jessica. And she eventually moves away to live with, what, other relatives? Like an aunt and uncle or something? I wasn't sure who they were. Because he can't go over the death of his wife, so she moves away and... The two of them grow apart. So so in the present day, between the loss of his wife, the loss of his daughter, and his uh, Gustafson's betrayal, Geronicus is just, like Tom said, like Julia said, like both of y'all said, he's broken down, he's lost his spark, he's lost his belief. He's become this cantankerous old man, essentially, who nobody in town really likes anymore, except for this very enthusiastic male woman who is a widow, who (laughs) is totally in love with him, and she always drives by and tries to flirt, and it just goes over Geronicus's head, and she, uh, but she won't give up on him, and I thought that was really sweet. Like, she sees there's something there. But not only did his life kind of fall apart, but he's about to lose his shop, because he's in debt and Mr. Delacroix, the banker, basically said, pay your debts by Christmas or produce a new invention to show us that, you know, he'll start paying your debts. That will make money. Mm-hmm. I got to give Mr. Delacroix, Delacroix some serious, give him some serious credit. He's trying so hard to help Geronicus throughout this whole thing. And he is essentially holds the position Scrooge holds in a Christmas carol and Scrooge would have kicked this guy on the street without a second thought. Yeah, he would have. Meanwhile, Jessica's all grown up now in the present and she has a daughter journey and we see from journey right away she shares geronicus's old passion for inventing and her mother's and her mother's and this is where we get the song not the only one what did you all think of this song i loved all these songs yeah i did too i don't think there was journey for being so fresh like what a phenomenal 
little girl actress voice i mean everything she's remarkable so one day a letter arrives from jeronicus for jessica and journey essentially decides to go stay with him until christmas morning to go spend time with her grandfather and when she arrives jeronicus is like completely disinterested in her Mm -hmm. well he doesn't he doesn't even seem to believe it's his own granddaughter does he yeah. Right. He says allegedly. But he begrudgingly lets her stay under the condition she doesn't she even touch believe anything his... at the shop. He doesn't even believe his granddaughter's name is Journey. It's like J U something. Journey close <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh not um, only does she not only is it the condition, but she has to sign a contract that she won't yeah, she touch, take, or move anything in the shop. I mean, typical Which... grandparent. Who here hasn't had a grandparent make them sign a contract not to touch anything in the room? So here, Journey, we are also introduced to Geronicus's young assistant, who is Journey's age, called Edison. And this guy, kind of like I said earlier, is basically Steve Urkel at the age of like eight years old. He has a big glasses. He may as well be saying, did I do that? Every time he messes up, he really might. Very cute kid. Very funny character. He falls in my bad kid actor category, though. Oh, Anthony, no, you fall in, you fall in my That's bad all. kid actor family. He, he he overacted. Come on. I thought he was adorable. I, he was adorable. And he Ugh. was cute with everything. I mean, I don't, maybe you just need to spend more time with kids. Their general demeanor can be overacting. It's true. I mean, like their excitement is so, Contagious. I don't know. Ellie gets so excited about things at times that I don't understand why at all. So I think maybe that's why I'm not seeing the overacting thing as much. Like we saw so, how we went, we went and looked at Christmas lights tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because God, we got to have something to do during COVID. And it was the most like dud house. Like they had like basically three strands like this on their gutters. And Ellie's like, oh, look at those lights. They're so beautiful, daddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> Okay, honey. <laughs> so in the present, when we catch up with Gustafa- Gustafson, <sighs> Gustafson, when in the present, when we catch up with Gustafson, <laughs> oh my God, in the present, when we catch up with Gerardicus's old assistant who stole everything from him, he is now Gustafson. a world famous toy tycoon Gust- who owns this huge warehouse. But in these 10, 15 years, he has exhausted all of Geronicus's ideas from his book he stole from him. And so he debuts a whirly twirly toy, which is what you saw he was trying to do at the beginning and he never got it to work. Well, mm-hmm. it appears he was never been able to get this simple looking toy to work in this past decade because when he's presenting it to, I don't know, this party of investors or whoever's at his big factory, it malfunctions again and attacks one mm-hmm. of the guests and he's disheartened. And this is when Diego convinces him, you should need to steal yet another invention of Geronicus's to basically keep your empire afloat. So this is our, mm-hmm. uh, right. this is the plot of our antagonist. And Key Michael Key has an awesome song here. Um, Magic Man G or whatever it's called, but I really like that song. He's just a fun guy in general. Mm-hmm. His uh, character actually reminded me a lot of you know, like these Christmas tropes we've covered before, like the toy factory owner in Mrs. Santa Claus, like the magician in Frosty yes. the Snowman, like this tall, gangly, like guy who's lost a Christmas spirit who's trying to take it yep. on him. That's yep. 
what he reminded me Totally got that vibe. So back at Geronicus's shop, Journey discovers the Buddy 3000, which is this toy robot who looks like Wally, which is the first thing Sarah said when we saw this thing. 100%. Wally's face, (laughs) which is up in his attic that was originally designed by her mother, she finds out, but which they never got to work. So she and Edison try to get this thing to work. And this is where they sing Square Root of Possible, which is one of my favorite songs of the thing. This song is so fun. It's so catchy. So Mm -hmm. magical, because again, during this whole song, this is when all the fantasy math is swirling around them in the bright colors. Mm -hmm. And it's like visually stunning. For a song in which she is basically like... You know, they're not dancing in an exotic location. She's in a dingy attic, like mm-hmm. going from table to table. And for they do so much with just the visuals to make it so engaging. They essentially get this buddy to magically come to life. And well, attribute I think it's, her, it's her faith in it, right? Right. They attribute that they got it working due to their belief in it, their faith in it. Mm-hmm. And it helps, it starts them, it gets them to fly around. It flies around, they fly around. It's an awesome, it's, it was, again, magical. Like, if I was a kid, I would have been enthralled by this scene right here. Yeah. Well, I think one of the the cool things here was, um, or one of the the plots, one of the plots, what's what I'm looking for? One of the plot holes I didn't buy in this was when Geronicus came in and they were flying he still didn't believe them that something was going on. I just didn't really buy that, you know? Like, I'm going to quote another classic Christmas movie and say, seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing. He saw it with his own eyes, but he's not believing it. Right, I guess so. Wow, I actually... <laughs> he just, like, rolled one. over and let you have that one. <laughs> I appreciate that, Tom. So, yeah, like you said, he comes in, doesn't believe it. And sends Journey to bed, sends Edison home, and puts Buddy away. And he remains in the attic alone and laments over losing his daughter, losing his wife, and all the happy memories he used to share with them. It's probably my least favorite song in the in the movie over and over because it was like the slow, sad one. It's always my least favorite in all every musical. <laughs> but yeah. it was essential That's to fair. understand his mindset a little bit. To yep. see that he is in pain. He's just not in a-hole he didn't just become an a-hole in old age right i mean he did but there was supposedly a reason for it right there was a reason (laughs) right right (laughs) so the next day is christmas eve and gustaf gustafson 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 is in town and he is basically waiting for his moment to strike right waiting for his moment to go into the shop and steal an invention essentially and he gets this moment when geronicus and journey leave and get into this amazing snowball fight with all the village children in the street the choreography in the scene was so i fun. loved it everything so about it fun. it all starts though with journey trying to have you know it's it's obvious she's trying to connect with her grandpa with Geronicus because she throws a snowball and hits him and mm-hmm. we see the fir- we see the first like glimmer that his uh walls are cracking with journey right mm-hmm. like he smiles and like oh you're gonna get it now and he gets engaged and then there are these kids come out from the woodwork and it's a mm-hmm. it's a snow fight dance it's like girls versus yeah. boys but the choreography like what like they're all in sync and like when the girls do the twirl around stomp their feet and do the basically eh, to, like so fun so cute so fun 
Mm-hmm. It felt like a, it felt very West Side Story though. Yes, yeah. totally. Like we're 100%. in this fight, but it's but we're gonna dance it out or uh, dance fight. Y'all, y'all all watch the middle, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, like uh, where what's his name always thought fighting was gonna be like dancing. <laughs> yes. Um. What's what's why I also liked here, like you said, you started to see the cracks in Jeronicus's um you started to see him revert a little bit to who he used to be and that's also yeah. coming through visually as you're seeing his magic math come through a little bit in this scene like he does this awesome thing he throws a snowball and zooms past her and then kind of comes back and hits her in the head like it was yeah, yeah. <laughs> magic was yep but when they return to their shop with their bond strengthened they find Edison tied up because Gustafson has broken in and stolen Buddy because he witnessed Buddy flying around the previous night through the window when Edison and Journey were working on him. This makes Geronicus angry. He doesn't want anything to do with getting Buddy back. He just wants to leave it be, right? He doesn't want to engage in a conflict. But Journey and Edison decide they're going to infiltrate Gustafson's factory later that night and get Buddy back. But first, they hitch a ride with the male woman. And I love, I just love this character. She brings so much joy every time she is on screen. She does. So they, she they does sneak. Matter. Yeah. She's the comedic relief. Mm-hmm. They sneak into the back of her truck. They drive to his factory, which, by the way, you don't really see it until the end, the final shot of the film. But this factory on top of this mountain with the village of, like, the village houses circling the mountain around him all lit up in the snow was beautiful. Yeah. So uh, she delivers the mail to the factory, and that's when the kids hop off, sneak into the factory through this big air vent, essentially. A fan is off. They sneak in through it and get into the factory that way. And they witness Gustafson unveiling Buddy to a new crowd of investors but because he doesn't buddy. know what powers buddy which is belief and faith mm-hmm. buddy doesn't work so they basically laugh at gustafson and leave which angers him so much he orders buddy destroyed burned burned not just destroyed not just destroyed incinerated right incinerated <clears throat> of course journey and edison managed to save buddy before that happens but in the process, they're, what, discovered, and there's this kind of chase through the, the cat and mouse chase at the factory. And as mm-hmm. this is going on, Jeronicus <laughs> realizes that the kids are missing, gone? put together where they went, and gets a lift to the factory for Mrs. Johnston to go save them. So She gives Jerry a ride. My name's yes. Jeronicus. When you're walking, you're Jeronicus. When you're in here, it's Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i love her so much (laughs) as they arrive at the factory the kids accidentally start a fire in their escape right so the two of them and buddy sneak back into the air vent to escape but they turn on the fan so the fan is speeding they can't get out the same way they came in they can't go back through the factory and leave through the front door because the fire is blocking their path so they're kind of trapped. Geronicus hears them in there and helps them do the magic math. Like, this is what you have to do to get out. This is the speed and the velocity. You have to get through the tunnel and <laughs> get through the fan and basically essentially jump through the fan without missing the blade while missing the blades. Mm-hmm. And this scene is so fun. Like when they are basically riding the crate with Buddy in it through the tunnel as the fire is chasing them through. Like, 
I would have been all about this scene as a kid. It's like, yeah. it's one of those like, so uh, yeah, it's like action for a kid. Like, you know, nothing's going to happen to these kids, but it's, you know, as a kid, you're holding you're still your worried. You're still worried for them. So as they're racing through the tunnel, the fire chasing them, they realize they're going too fast. Geronicus tells them to slow down, but they can't. And Buddy comes back to life in his crate because they believe in him. And he uses his arms to slow them down just enough to get through the fan at the right speed and escape the factory as it goes up in flames behind them. Mm-hmm. All of them hop in Mrs. Johnson's truck and escape mm-hmm. before Gustafson can get them. Mm-hmm. But Buddy's destroyed. Yeah, he's in bad shape. Very bad shape. His arms are all broken. and yeah, What happens then? They get back and they work on Buddy, right? Well, yes. the they try to, and then the kids go to bed, right? Yes. And that's when his that's when Jessica comes back. Jessica and we have shows up. Right. Daughter, dad, reunited, and we see a lot of the stuff that... We find out he tried to write her a million times over the years, and he saved every one of those letters, but he couldn't bring himself to send them because he was afraid to send them, afraid of her reaction. He was disappointed in himself. He didn't want to disappoint her. It was a heartbreaking scene. You see, he kept every letter he wrote her, and mm-hmm. that was sweet, too. Yep. And they make amends, essentially. And Jessica, the next morning, helps Geronicus fix Buddy. Mm-hmm. And it's Geronicus's restored belief... That makes Buddy come back to life, which is amazing. But we can't celebrate too long because Gustafson, Diego, and the cops show up. And Gustafson accuses Geronicus of stealing Buddy from him, and they want to arrest Geronicus. But Journey had a plan for this, and it turns out... She had made notations on the, on the plans for Buddy. On the plans for Buddy, which Gustafson stole. And when held up to a flame... And Blue Wink, it reveals property of Geronicus Jangle or yep. something. It was of that using the same ink that she had to sign the contract with. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Gustafson is arrested. And as he's being taken away, Geronicus reveals, I wasn't neglecting you all those years ago. I was going to help you fix that toy. I was just, I had the missing part and I was going to show you how to fix it, but you had already left by the time I came back. And it broke my heart. But there's this moment of like, understanding between them you could see gustafson feel a bit of remorse before he's dragged away right yep so as he's dragged away geronicus keeps diego takes a life-giving component out of him for reprogramming thus shutting diego down and uh so mr delacroix shows up says hey man you have the money or do you have something that's going to save your shop and he sees the buddy and he's impressed enough with Buddy to give Geronicus funding for any invention he desires to make. Ever again. Ever, Ever. again. Yeah, forever. Which saves the store and restores its popularity, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. This is just a sweet moment. And then, so what started the film, bookmarked, you saw this old grandmother reading a story, this story to her children. A story mm-hmm. about Geronicus jangled to the children. And it's bookended at the end here where we find out that this grandmother is actually Journey herself. Journey. She's reading the story to her own grandchildren. And at the end here, she reveals Buddy, who's still functioning and living with her. And they all, and they say, she tells them it's time to see her, their, her grandfather's shop. 
So with Buddy's help, they all fly over this amazing shot of London lit up mm-hmm. in the snow to what used to be Gustafson's warehouse, now with a big J on it for Jingle, for Geronicus. And you get that amazing shot of them flying over the mountain with the village wrapped around it with the warehouse at top and the movie ends. And it was magical. It was magical. It was. So good. Is it a Christmas movie though? I'm going to say yes. And it's because faith and belief are the major drivers of the story. And those are the two biggest things associated with Christmas, right? That's in every Christmas movie, belief and faith. And you can't remove those aspects of the story without changing the story fundamentally. So I, I think if they it had a different driving force, it would have been a movie set at Christmas, but it didn't. Those were essential to the plot. Those Christmas concepts, those concepts are so strong at Christmas. They're so essential to the plot. That makes it a Christmas movie to me. And what we did get of Christmas, the snow and the lights and stuff, it wasn't overdone, but the little bits of Christmas we did get were really pretty and mm-hmm. really like atmospheric. So I'm going to say, and it's about family and 100% is a Christmas movie, in my opinion. What about y'all? I have a hard time coming down so easily on it. It feels Christmas is not a big part of the plot. It feels more like a movie set at Christmas. What do I, what did Christine say when you guys talked about it? Because you said you guys got into a little debate over she, it. Well, she said it felt like a Christmas movie to her. So we just kind of went back and forth on what we actually thought. Um, we didn't ever land on a consensus. Julia? I think it's a movie set at Christmas because I think you could pick it up and place it at any time of the year, even though I obviously prefer for it to be set where there's snow on the ground because it's dead gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And it would still be the same story. Um, and I almost don't like, not that it being Christmas devalues it at all because it totally doesn't, right? So don't misinterpret interpret me there but i almost feel like it diminishes the power of the family aspect of the movie and this redemption that geronicus has if we Mm -hmm. also say you know christmas had something to do with it because i don't feel like christmas had anything to do with his redemption in this particular case is that going to affect your score at all, though? No, heck no. It's Me going to neither. affect no part of my score. So like, they, the question they, is totally irrelevant. Do you, do you, <laughs> all, see, do you all see at least my point of view on this, even though you don't yes. agree with my point of view? I do. I mean, yeah. okay. I do. I just awesome. don't, I, I don't. I don't come to the same conclusion. But I, with Julia, this is the first movie we're going to say, I'm going to say that was set at Christmas, where there will be no points deducted for that fact. Is it going to be in your Christmas canon, even though it's just yep. set at Christmas? Yeah. One hundred percent Christmas canon. Yeah, I don't know. I loved it. Here's where we go, Julia. We're hypocrites with all of our other. We are movies. We said in the ah, you said you you said me and April destroyed the ranking system, but look at what y'all are doing now. I've already told you I have no faith in our ranking system, so I can do whatever the heck I want to do. That made me so laugh so hard when I listened back to that episode. By the way, like Tom and me and April going at it, and Julia was just sitting back silent, and I knew you were just shaking your head because you don't give a crap about the ranking system because it's messed up in your mind already <laughs> our ranking system is basically no different than a michigan election our ranking system is essentially that episode of friends where joey is a game trying out for the game show host and the rules change every two minutes and ross and chandler can't grasp it you've been bamboozled what <laughs> it does have a linus moment though no even though you don't attribute it to christmas it's yeah. a change Oh yeah, there's yeah. a huge change where where 
where Jerry is restored to his former self, not only with the fact that he can now see the magic and do the things, but also because who he is is restored, right? Mm-hmm. Were you guys engaged the whole time? Like, that's a bar for me, too. Like, am I yes. checking my phone when I'm watching? I was, en- I was engaged, engaged, the, engaged whole the whole time. Yep. Yep. Me too. Do you have any quotes or anything like that? I said my quote during the, my favorite quote during the thing. Yeah, I've almost haven't watched it enough to really have cemented those favorite quotes yet. Yeah. Because we same. ran into that, I think, with Christmas Chronicles last year when we covered it so quickly. So give me some time. I'll have some quotes. Me too. <laughs> this would be a fun one next year, maybe to do a live watch with. Yeah. Do you, have, do you all have just any final thoughts? Like, do you want to put a pin in your thoughts on this movie before we go on and rank it? Any final definitive statement you want to say on this movie right now for the record before we go on well one thing i didn't mention earlier but that i really appreciated is the mixed media aspect of the movie itself so we had live action elements but you also had that puppet feel elements as well and it was all done so well there's lots of movies that try and do that and one part is much weaker than the other and that was not the case in this one the animated non-live action parts were just as strong as the live action oh speaking of that the end credits i really like the end credits where you kind of saw the animated geronicus and everything what happened to everyone through the end credits both animated i really like that that was cute Mm -hmm. it kind of reminded me of Uh, like when you're watching a marvel or dc movie how they do like the first half of the credits before or the mid credit scene where it's like you're seeing images from the film or the concept mm-hmm. art or something and then you get to the regular black and white credits afterwards that's kind of what it reminded me of or pixar movie yeah or pixar movie too yep tom uh, about I you do have a final thought quote i lied I oh okay i lied uh miss johnston at the end when everybody's when everybody's or towards the when they they're rescued and everybody's hugging she says well if hugs are going for free i wouldn't say no and like welcomes herself in on a on a hug she injects herself in a moment i love her i also liked it when grandpa was was finally coming around to journey but like when he was shopping but he still didn't decide that he was totally in on her and he offered to split his egg with her do y'all remember that yes i have one egg we could split it and then i like the recurring theme that he just wants everybody to call him geronicus right uh-huh. So again, he corrects Mrs. Johnston, you know, she calls him Jerry and he says, it's Geronicus. And he says, it's out- if you're walking outside, it's Geronicus. If you're in here, it's Jerry. And then when Journey asks, is it all right if I call you Grandpa Geronicus? And he's like, could you not? And she's like, you're right. Grandpa Jay. <laughs> he's just not happy about it. <laughs> Um, this movie, though, again, I say it's a movie set at Christmas. It embodies the Christmas, right? It embodies Christmas. It's beautiful. I love the message in it. I love the the hope. I love the blending of reality and fantasy. This has such a strong fantasy element that's built in and done and executed just absolutely perfectly. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to double down on I think this is a Christmas movie, but I agree with y'all, like, it's just an it's just an incredible film all around. I, I agree with you, Julia. The animation, the live action works so well together. It just embodies Christmas, like you said, Tom. It's definitely going on my Christmas canon. And I'm gonna make a statement. I know it's gonna be controversial with some of our listeners here, and it's probably gonna be controversial with y'all too. Out of all the streaming service original movies we covered, meaning Netflix, essentially, and Disney Plus, this is my favorite. Ooh. High and far. Nice. As of right now. I haven't watched star wars yet but christmas chronicles 2 is coming out next week but this blows in my opinion klaus out of the water y'all know i wasn't the biggest fan of chris the christmas chronicles i'm mm-hmm. hoping i am the second one because i think the trailer for the second one looks really good and um it beats oh, noel for me don't do it on 
don't do it. It beats Noel for me, hands down, on originality. Because with Noel, the more I watched that, I would rank it lower. I'm just being an elf and Arthur Christmas and Miracle on 34th Street mashup and nothing original. Well, we would I would mark it higher. We've been watching it. It is Ellie's favorite movie of all times. Noel oh. is? Yes. I'm glad it is. I, I can understand why it. kids would love this, especially little girls. But for me, it's not an original enough movie. It's Elf. I'm fine with that. With Arthur Christmas and Miracle on 31st Street thrown in and doing it worse than two of those three films did. I can't say it did it worse than Arthur Christmas because it didn't. But it did it worse than <laughs> it did it worse than Elf and uh, Miracle on 34th Street? That's for sure. Next time, come up with a different scene than the sign language scene. You don't take the most iconic moment from Miracle on 34th Street. Anyway, this isn't about Noel, but that's what I wanted to say. This was my favorite original, as of recording this, 1117, this is my favorite original streaming movie we've covered on this show so far. By far. Having said that, let's go rank it. I'm going to come in at a 9.5. I'm coming in at a 10. I'm going to give it a 9.3. Which gives us an average of 9.6. Which puts that number three on our list in That's What Christmas is All About, Charlie Brown, Tier 1. It comes between Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas at 9.7167, and it beats out the Santa Claus at 9.57. So let's start at number three on our list. It's been a long time since we had one fall in Tier 1. A long time. That's the truth. Well, we've got two more in the next week to come in that high. In the next two weeks to come in that high. So keep dreaming, pal. So I can be hopeful. You can be hopeful. You can. I'm actually cautiously optimistic for the Christmas Chronicles 2. It will have to overcome its crappy CGI and the awful Belschnickel casting for me. But I'm optimistic about it because the trailer did look good. So we actually did get a lot of feedback for this movie, which I want to get into, but we got a piece of interesting trivia for last week's movie, Jack Frost, that I wanted to read because I read this and I can totally see it. So that Revit guy commented on Reddit. Hey guys, it's been a while, but I managed to catch this episode. I wanted to throw out a fun fact about this movie that I learned about recently. Apparently, George Clooney was originally cast as Jack Frost, and they designed the puppet to look like him. After he bowed out, Michael Keaton replaced him, leaving us with the George Clooney snowman with Michael Keaton's voice. I loved this movie as a kid in the 90s, and I'm excited that you got around to watching it for the podcast. Now, if you look at that snowman, you can totally see the George Clooney inspiration. Can't you? Yep, I can see it. Totally yep. makes sense. Which he he told me he wrote he wrote that on Reddit and it blew my mind quite honestly. I was like, whoa. So I thought that was very interesting. I thought that was very interesting. And uh maybe that's why I find the snowman creepy. There's a disconnect between Michael Keaton's voice and what Michael Keaton looks like, but it makes total sense now. Anyway, we did get feedback on this film though. Stephen Beach, aka Disco 54, wrote, It's not a Christmas film. It's pure joy, though. Just like the kid in Polar Express got the first gift of the season, this was our first real major movie of the season, and I sat and watched like a kid. Wide-eyed and enthralled. This is the kind of film that cinema was made for, but worked just fine while we were cozy at home. 
Netflix keeps pushing the envelope when it comes to huge films of the season. And I think that this Klaus and Christmas Chronicles will become every bit as loved as Elf in time. Also, Mrs. Johnston is my spirit animal. She has it going on. I love that. Uh, <laughs> I agree with a lot of that comment. But again, I think yep. Christmas film. I don't think Klaus and Christmas Chronicles will be beloved as Elf. But hey, to each their own. Glenn Warren, fellow Christmas podcaster, Susan's Eatings podcast, wrote, I watched this a few nights ago and it's been lingering in the back of my mind for a while. It's a great movie full of color, song, and spectacle. It has a great positive message of believing in yourself and you can achieve anything, even fly. But to me, this is not a Christmas movie. I love Christmas so much. I have a podcast about Christmas food where if you take the Christmas out of this movie, the story will be the same. So he's kind of going what you said there, Julia. We follow Geronicus Jango and learn that he is a great toy maker in all the townspeople of this Dickensian steampunk town are in love with his invention. Ooh, that's a good way to describe it. Dickensian steampunk. That's totally what it is. That is. Absolutely. So much so that they break out song and dance at the beginning of the movie to show us. Yes, the story was originally conceived as a Broadway play and it shows. Oh, that's interesting. Most of the story takes place in the workshop of Jingle Jangle, and we can easily see this adapted as stage production. Oh man, it should be. I hope it is one day. The characters are larger than life, and while that is there is conflict and sadder moments, we know that Geronicus and his family will eventually come around and find joy again. One aspect of the movie I thought was a throwaway was when Journey and Edison have to escape the factory through a very large air event. Impractically large, you might say. <laughs> There's a fire from leaving through the factory that actually uses French roller cray outside. It's similar to the carriage theme in Disney's animated Christmas carol, Jim Carrey. Oh, it kind of is. Scrooge is miniaturized and races through town, eventually going to a store to escape a death carriage. It seemed totally unnecessary and only point for some possible future game tie-in or new theme park ride. Uh, I'd ride that theme mm. park ride. I would. That being that be said, Christmas doesn't seem to be the heart of this movie. It's only used as a plot device to make time. Jangle's shop will be shut down if he doesn't come up with a new idea by Christmas. Jessica's picking up journey on Christmas Day and the children at the beginning of the movie are told the story on Christmas Eve. Take these elements out and you sell the same story. So again, yeah. what you said. It's true. I disagree. That's debatable. 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 Claire Doyle wrote, I wasn't too sure when it started, but then I loved it. The fact I got to watch it in peace might have added to my enjoyment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> our good friend Charlene Lewis wrote, I absolutely loved this. It exceeded my expectations. The cast was great too. Definitely watch again and again. Heart. And Catherine Ballard Cross wrote, I think it was very sweet. The cast was wonderful and it was very heartfelt. But it was not a Christmas movie. It made me think of the movie Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Ooh, that's funny she said that. Sarah said that too. Uh, that's exactly sure. what Jangles and Things felt like, 100%. Magical for sure, but Christmas is only briefly mentioned at the beginning and the end. So A plus is musical, but C minus the Christmassy feels. Ooh, that's kind of tough in my opinion. I could, I just couldn't penalize it. It was that good of a movie that I couldn't penalize it. You guys destroyed our ranking system. Eh, we, we do what we do. You guys destroyed, there is no integrity in our process anymore. You guys obliterated it. You guys rigged that system. <laughs> Watched it, loved it, can't wait for y'all to cover it. That came from Denise Benson. Holly Cuomo, another Christmas podcaster of Netflixness, wrote, I cried like five minutes in. Rebecca Montgomery, I loved it so much. Ryan Campkin, I watched it, it was a very good movie, but other than that, it ended on Christmas Day. It didn't really feel like a Christmas movie to me. Shane Nauber wrote, I watched it last night. I thought the whole time, is it really a Christmas movie or a movie set at Christmas? April Riley wrote, so I watched it. It was cute. I loved the cast and the music, but it was just okay. Spent a lot of time on my phone, which means it wasn't interesting enough for me. It's just kind of boring to me. 
Christine Alexander <laughs> wrote, it's a circumference of spectacular, the second derivative of sensational, but neither of those is 100% spectacular nor sensational. I didn't find it boring and it might go into the canon because it's just so beautiful. I love the production design sets, costumes, choreography, animation, some of the songs explore the message. And oh my God, Anika Nani Rose, but something's missing. I reserve the right to change my mind after a second viewing, but so far there's no character that really grabbed my heart. Maybe Grandmother Journey because Felicia Rashad is always perfection. Keegan Michael Key was great. I mean, the act was all great, but it was more impersonal, like witnessing a glorious spectacle. I'm not rooting for anyone except for one scene or living in the movie. I'm just sitting back and going, wow, you know how the Polar Express, in my opinion, kind of misses me, though it should be everything. Geronicus grows, but I really want to be more about Jessica and Journey. I wish you got to see this in theaters. Again, maybe after second viewing, I'll feel it. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of harsh for me. Alonzo Duraldi wrote, y'all might disagree, but I think you get rid of the er, Matador character entirely without changing the (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. Raymond Martin, we watched it last night on my oldest story, has been singing bits of the lyrics all morning. See, that's how you know a musical's good if the music sticks with you, which it stuck with me. Yes. Boom or Ring wrote, I love it. It's fun. Thoughtful set and costume design are great. And I love to visit at Jangles and Bangs during the holidays. How cool would that be? You know, all these pop-up shops and everything. Like, how cool yes. would a Jingle and Jangles pop-up shop be? That would be amazing. Uh, Edie, I just don't know how they would make stuff fly like that, though. Edie Fleming. Hi, Edie. I work with her. Wrote, I'm watching now and I love it. The musical arrangements are amazing. Dwayne of Tinsel Tunes podcast wrote, I fell asleep. I didn't realize it was a musical. We stopped watching about 15 minutes in. Then later on the day, we finished it off. I really enjoyed it. There you go. Lots of people agreeing. It's not a Christmas movie. I'm agreeing with y'all. Some harsher criticism for the film than I would have thought. but That was surprising to me. But I am perfectly happy where it falls on our list. It deserves, in my opinion, all the praise, all the accolades. And I want to see more content like this. Mm-hmm. And it was such a pleasant surprise. I feel like this year has been rough. Like, not just 2020 rough, but rough in terms of what we're covering. Yes. <laughs> this was like, this was a nice little way, a nice way to start the end of the year kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. So where can listeners who haven't weighed in yet weigh in on what they think of Jingle Jangle, Julia? Um, you can give us your opinion on this movie um, at any of our social media locations. At any of our social media sites, you can find any of those by going to tisthepodcast.com backslash Twitter, Facebook, Facebook groups, Reddit, Instagram. Our Facebook group is definitely our most active area right now. Um, Reddit would be second. So if you really want to engage with other listeners as well as us, you can um, definitely find some really good engagement on Facebook group. We love all your posts about all Christmas stuff, even things you see in all these Christmas groups. You know, if you want to talk about Elf or a Christmas story, don't feel like, you know, oh, we see them in every group. They don't want to hear about that again every Christmas. No, we do. We want to discuss all the Christmassy things all the time. And even things that aren't Christmas that just make you happy, whether it's Disney, comic books, Marvel, Batman, Harry Potter, other holidays like Halloween and Thanksgiving. We want to hear it all. We want to engage with you. We want to get to know you. We want to know what you love about the holiday season and what you love in general. Because we're one big family. And that's the best thing about our social media is it really does feel like family. So come and engage with us. And our other family members. Um, it's a safe place if you're a Christmas fanatic, and it's a safe place if you're not. We'll get you there eventually. 
We also have other content in another location. Tom, you want to talk about Patreon? I do. We have a Patreon account and I have some exciting news. We just ordered some stuff for our patrons. We're going to have to wait for it to get here. So I'm hoping it's here before Christmas, but y'all have some cool stuff coming. And right now I am ordering Christmas cards from Tis the Podcast for all of you awesome patrons who get cards. So yay. Yay. Coming in your mail. Not only stuff, but you get bonus episodes. Just dropped last week. Our Thanksgiving episode on, in which we cover the movie Turkey Drop, which was, that's a fun episode. That was an interesting movie to cover. It was a fun episode. And coming up in your regular feeds this week for extra bonus content, because it's Thanksgiving week, a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, which Julia in particular is very, very fond of. And you'll have more stuff coming up in the coming weeks in both Patreon and your main feed. So get excited. And also... Get excited because we only have 792 hours until Christmas. That is 33 days. That is four weeks. Guys, okay, that's a little terrifying. Can I just we tell need you to stop that right saying now? This now? Yeah, okay, can yeah. Now see, it's so great most of the year when that number gets smaller, but now I'm getting into uncomfortable numbers where I don't have enough time to fully experience the joy of the season from a day-to-day moment. <laughs> so if we could just slow that down right now. That'd be great. I know. Now that we're hitting Thanksgiving this week, this is one time can really slow down. Speaking of which, before we go, what are y'all think, doing for Thanksgiving? We know the holidays are going to be a bit different this year. You Our know, quarantine pod is doing Thanksgiving just here at home. This is your so, quarantine pod? Uh, my parents will be in Ohio, or else they would be our quarantine pod. Um, but Marty's grandmother that lives in the neighborhood that we, you know, were with her quite a bit. Um, she'll be coming over as well. But you, Tom? Uh, just Christine's parents are coming over. We're staying. They don't go anywhere, see anybody. We don't stay any, go anywhere, see anybody. So we have a safe space. Yeah. Um, my mother's doing it for my father, mom, me, Sarah, and then her two sisters and grandma. I guess my uncle, grandma's son, uh, died of COVID earlier this year. So she just wanted to do something for them. First holiday with Adam. But yeah. So that's what we'll be doing. And, uh, yeah, it'll be nice. You know, it's not the amount of people around your table, right? So you spend it with. So right. love. Well, I would still love to spend it with my mom. I, I know. I haven't seen my I'm, mom in like a year, y'all. This is. Oh, I know that's sad. that's sad, and I know it's hard for a lot of people. But we are here for y'all. We mm-hmm. have our little extended virtual family. Um, we hope the podcast brings you some joy. And as hard as it is, we are. There is a slight light at the end of the tunnel now. Vaccines are on the way. Take it seriously now. You know, if you just buckle down now and take this seriously for the next few months, you know, we're almost through. Come on, we can do it. And we will be here as a podcast to help you every step of the way. Right, y'all? Oh, yeah. Including with next week's movie, The Christmas Chronicles 2. And the movie uh, the week after that, Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square, featuring the return of April Riley. So do your homework, y'all. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I think I speak for all of us, Tom and Julia, myself, when we say we're thankful for all of y'all. And we'll speak to you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So much less energy. (laughs) Bye. Time stands still, can't explain what I feel. If this is really real, nothing's ever gonna be the same. 
to say goodbye to the struggle in life Say hello to the sky, spread my wings and fly away Even though life's been knocking me down I had to figure it out, see my way through the doubt And when it seems I'm lost, turn and found my way What I got in my hands could be the spark Turns it all around, could this be happening now? All my life I've waited for this day Tell me what do you do when everyone's counting on you The decisions you make, the give and the take The promises kept and the ones that you break Are the hardest to take but ooh, We'll always be standing by you No, I won't give up the day that you run might be the day that you win Even when life's knocking you down You always figure it out, see your way through the doubt And, and when you're lost, I help you find your way What you got in your hands to be the spot Turns it all around, is this happening now? Cause all my life I knew he'd see this day I knew he'd see this day, I knew You know all your dreams are gone